I know. Wow. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to address the elephant in the room. Who's the elephant in the room? That's rude. <laughs> Me. No. <laughs> it's the fact that we've been gone literally forever. <laughs> You're right. The life is a lot. And it happens. Okay, moving on. <laughs> hi everyone welcome back (laughs) um we pulled a shane dawson and we're gone for like ever it's fine i mean technically it was only like two weeks but still that's yeah i'm not used to not talking to you for like two weeks (laughs) yeah we only had like little chit chat over text but i was really trying not to like ask a lot of stuff because i wanted to do it while we were recording yeah no, that's fair. So tell me. Oh, by the way, this is answer choice E, all of the above. Uh, I'm Jess. That's Sarah. I'm- Sarah, Hi. how is your life? <laughs> 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 Just laughs. I think I got all I needed from that. I'm losing hair <laughs> because oh, of stress. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I have no life. So why don't you tell me about yours? <laughs> like, okay, just the jokes aside, it's fine. Uh, I have so many stories that maybe if you want, I don't know who would want this. Um, hey, you're going to no, just have to tell me later. Yeah, no one would want that. But if you want an episode of just us ranting about our lives, about like little things, we could totally do that. It's answer choice E, all the above, you know? Yeah. (laughs) They make great stories. And when I look back on them now, like, or when I look back on them when I'm, like, old, you know, I'm going to be like, whoa, I made it through that. Oh, so, like, tomorrow? Yeah, I'm already old. I feel like an 80-year-old man. Mm -hmm. I convinced my students the other day. They asked me how old I was. And I try not to, like, share my personal life with these elementary schoolers. And, um, like, they ask, are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? How old are you? And I'm just like, whatever. Well, they asked me how old I was, and I was like, I'm really old. And they were like, really? "Really? How old are you? And I was like, guys, I'm 73. And they went, are you really 73? And I was like, no! (laughs) Like, they straight up believed me for a minute. And I was like, wow. That's like 50 years too much. That's insane. Girl, you're just you're just barely 70. Don't worry. I can oh, yeah. see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see me. I just I have see. a really good skincare routine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know how you do. Milk and honey. The pimple on my chin says that that is incorrect. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The 37 on my face let me know that I'm still... I'm still kicking. Pimples mean you're alive. (laughs) Sometimes I have to have a reminder. (laughs) 
I do believe that a text that you sent me over the past week was, medically, I am alive. My heart is still beating in my chest, whether my brain is active or not. (laughs) So, yeah, it's close to Halloween now. Um, Oh, yeah. Do you have a costume? Girl. At school, we're dressing up like children's book characters. Right, right, right. And me and a bunch of my, like, teammates are dressing up like characters from the book The Day the Crayons Quit. The crowns? Sure. And... The crayons? The The crayons. Yes, obviously that is the correct way to say it. But some people say crowns. I did when I was a kid. And some people say crayons. Or crayons? Like cranberries? Crayons. Crayons? Yeah. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, no. It has two syllables. Specifically because of a YouTube video. We'll try to link it in the description. I am dressing like the black crayon because I want to really bad. How are you going to act when you are in character? (laughs) I mean, I don't really have to see any kids tomorrow all that much. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put on like dark eye makeup. What, do you just want me to carry a taser around school (laughs) to be that character? Y'all should watch the video. It's hilarious. It I've watched it probably, I don't know, like 57 times. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, green crayon was already taken. You, you won't get it. It's Just watch the video. You'll get it. On Halloween night, we're giving out candy on the square, and my whole family is doing a Scooby-Doo theme. And I'm going to be Velma and my dog is going to be Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Do you want to start actually like... <laughs> what is today's topic? What are we covering? Have you ever it's been... It's Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, I forgot because I wrote my notes two, three weeks, two, two or three weeks ago. So yeah. we're going to be learning this together. I hope you realize. That's... I'm totally down. Um, I lost all of my notes, and then I chose a different topic. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I was okay. mad at well, the other one. <laughs> well, you don't get my time. I have been to Hawaii once. Not. It was the first time I ever went on a plane. Can I tell you a really, really fast story? Sure. It has to do with that. But it'll make you laugh. Because when I was in, uh, this was before you came in high school, my world history class, and she was talking about people going on vacations during the Christmas break. Mm -hmm. And my teacher mentioned a girl who was in this pre-AP world history class. And she said that she was going to Hawaii for Christmas with her family. And... She was like, yeah, but I'm not looking forward to the drive. (laughs) (laughs) And the teacher looked at her and went with it and said, wait, what do you mean? And she goes, you know the bridge that goes to Hawaii? She goes, I'm not looking forward to how long that's going to be. That's so stupid. I'm sorry. I can't handle that. (laughs) (laughs) The teacher was like, how long is the bridge? (laughs) And she goes, it's probably a couple days long, don't you think? I don't know. I haven't asked my parents how long this trip is going to take. I can't believe that there are people who think that. 
I think it's just her. <laughs> but she also had a fear of flying. So her parents just didn't tell her. Pretty much. Okay. So that's my story. So my first airplane flight was to Hawaii and it was a very long flight. <laughs> and it was a pretty big plane. It was one of the like really big ones. The big boys. And um big boys. Skybus. And <laughs> I love my family. Let me just say that. My grandparents took me as an early college graduation gift. It was great. I'm very thankful. Now on the real, real. I loved Hawaii, but I wish I would have gone with, like, my mom or friends or something. Because I was in a hotel room by myself, which is nice. It was a really yeah. nice room. Um, and my grandparents are bigger people. And they're older. So... They can't really get around, but they like were spending extravagantly. Like we ate nice food. They bought me a bunch of alcohol and I wasn't 21 yet. <laughs> like I was barely not 21. Yeah. Um, we did all of these like tours, like guided tours. It was really cool. We went on a sunset cruise. I have a picture from it's one of my favorite pictures of me. But a majority of the time I was in Hawaii, I was by myself. Aww. Like in my room by myself, or I'd get bored and just walk to. They have these. They're like convenience stores. They're um called the ABC stores, mm-hmm. and I loved them. That's where I found my home. <laughs> I went there all the time. They sold literally anything you needed. So I would literally pop in a podcast. Like, on my phone, I'd be listening to a podcast, walking around Hawaii. I was listening to crime podcasts. I was listening to, and that's why we drink, listening mm-hmm. about people killing each other and ghosts, walking by myself in a state very far away from home. I do that here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel but I would always girl. go to ABC stores, and I'd be, like, looking around and be like, hmm, I wonder if someone in here is a murderer. <laughs> like... Just, it was weird. But I went to the beach by myself. Uh, So there were sad parts, but there was a lot of really fun parts, like watching my grandfather run over a seven-year-old in one of his, in his scooter. (laughs) (laughs) My grandparents are really ornery, like, and like I said, they're bigger, so they were in those little motorized scooters when we went to the cultural center, which was honestly the best. I loved <laughs> it. Yeah. But they were in those scooters, and they had it in their minds that they all move. And so he literally kept almost running over people, and I had to keep apologizing the whole time. Oh, no. On the plus side, I drank fresh coconut milk from a coconut the whole time. <laughs> Had a lot of like coconut. I am so sorry. Slurp, 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 slurp. Pretty much. So it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of new experiences. I'd love to go back. I'd go with you. Plans. Let's do it. There's another one that we have to put on the list. Well, that one's kind of expensive, but it was like honestly going to the cultural center alone and then just kind of piddling around like in the town was would be worth it. Just in Honolulu. It was really great. But I go first, right? Yes, ma'am. Cool. So 
My first question is, <laughs> you're going to hate me. <laughs> you might want to get a pen and paper. <laughs> is it math? I'm going to write it on my notes on my laptop. Okay. So if anyone lives in Hawaii, maybe you'll get this one right. So what is the mailing zip code for Hana, Hawaii? <laughs> for where? Hana, Hawaii. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. That's on um, the island of Maui. Gotcha. A96813. B96365. C96713. It sounds like I'm really cryptic. <laughs> D78456. Or E96784. I hate them all. One of them is a Texas zip code. So it's not that. <laughs> yeah, I recognize that. Uh-huh. I'm going to say 96713. Answer choice C. You are correct. this is how you were number six in our class <laughs> yes but listen i was number five okay. first of all don't steal that from me i'm sorry <laughs> the way that i i i kind of figured it was i knew it had nine six and then there was two answers with nine six seven so i knew i thought it was one of those two and then i like number 13 <laughs> so it was between C and E, and I just guessed correctly. One I promise I did not Google it. I don't think you did. <clears throat> I'm well, just congrats. really good at guessing. Thanks. I know, and I hate it. Because you know what I would have gone with? E, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right? You would have been, like, really close. I would have been, like... Ah, it's not 13. 13's unlucky. It's okay. You're probably not going to like me for this question. Okay. We deserve each other. I deserve it especially. Because okay. I need us wait this long. In which popular card game is there a card titled Nibiru the Primal Being? Uno. <laughs> no. Rats. Okay. A. Pokemon. B. Yu-Gi-Oh! C. Magic the Gathering. D. Hearthstone. Or E. Card Fight Vanguard. I was just singing the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> Were you not listening to the rest because you got so stuck on it? No. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think it's that one. Watch it be in somebody who's like really into Pokemon. So like... <laughs> Do you not? That is incorrect. <laughs> because according to the encyclopedia, <laughs> obviously there's a Pokemon card of that. Of Nibiru, the primal being. What are Yu-Gi-Oh cards again? <laughs> it's a game. I know what it is. It's like Pokemon, but it's different because it's a different game. Is it Yu-Gi-Oh? Is that your guess? Do they have beings in their cards? I don't know. 
Was I the kid that had the full arm thing to play Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to go with that one. You are correct. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it is Yu-Gi-Oh. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Moving on. What is the definition of happiness if Googled? Like, if you just Googled happiness, what would the definition be? The feeling of being happy. Maybe. <laughs> um, first, let me Google it. I'm just joking. So, A, when you know life is good. B, the state of joy. C, the state of feeling content. D, the state of being happy. Or E, none of the above. Or I guess all of the above, but, you know. I really want to pick the state of being happy. Okay. That's my answer. Okay, yeah, you're right. That's (laughs) stupid. (laughs) I mean, Google has all the answers, right? I'm so happy. The national tree of Hawaii is the kukui nut tree. What were kukui nuts used for by early settlers? To cuckoo your friend. <laughs> no. A. Rattles. B. Bread. C. Chalk. D. Candles. Or E. Hunting. I really should have thought ahead because I have a cuckoo nut lay in my room. I could have shown you what a cuckoo nut looks like. Does it rattle? <laughs> Do you want me to go grab them? Are you willing to wait? <gasps> yeah. This is a slight visual hint, just because I have one. But this is a kukui nut lay. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, so these are each kukui nuts. Wow. So what do you think? Granted, these have been treated and painted and all that. Yeah. What do you think these were used for by early settlers? Hunting. For sure. <laughs> just slingshotting them to the ends of the earth. I just like to think people used to like throw nuts at their enemies. Um, <laughs> no. Right. They were used as candles. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, the kukui nut tree is also known as the candle nut tree. And, um... If I'm not mistaken, I believe I was told that these kukui nuts are actually, like, toxic to eat. That's huh. that's why the lays have been, like, treated to where they're, like, glossy on the outside. Mm-hmm. I think that's correct. I might not be wrong, but when was I ever correct about something? Well, that's uh-huh. all I got for you. Oh, uh, okay. Well, on nuts. Today, I will be covering a guy named Tom Bendy. What did you draw? Psychology. (laughs) Okay. Do you know how difficult it is to find something to cover of psychology for Hawaii? Probably hard. It's so hard. I first was going to cover the psychology of Pearl Harbor survivors. Ooh. That was really hard to write. And then it disappeared. So I think it's cursed. Valid. 
So I changed it completely and decided to do the complete opposite and cover a guy named Tom Venditti. Okay. So Tom Venditti is a psychologist and is an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker living on the big island of Maui for the past 26 years. His film of choice is documentary-style films. Uh, He films his travels and adventures as he ventures on his quest for happiness. Ooh, one, some might say a pursuit of happiness. Oh, so cute. So uh, he has worked as a psychologist for over 30 years, but has now retired from his private practice and now focuses solely on filming, directing, and producing documentaries, which he has been doing for around 20 years. His films are primarily focused on the preservation of environment and culture, as well as promoting happiness. So far, he has filmed and produced around 30 films. He's pretty rad. Sounds like Um, it. He sounds busy. Right. He, like, would go on these adventures and film these documentaries and then come back to his private practice and just edit throughout the night and go to work. And earn more money because he didn't raise money for these films at the beginning. He just worked and raised his own money and used his own money to film and produce these documentaries. Wow. I know. It was just absolutely awesome. Um, So before he started his life as a dual psychologist and filmmaker, he was originally from the small state of Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) so merry so he was known to hitchhike casually to different states in order to travel as a kid from maryland and his parents were just okay with it so everything he did was casual and the things that came out of it was like they're absolutely amazing um in an interview with PBS, he gave examples of seeing the musical Hair in New York, going to a rock concert in Indiana, and then going to Mardi Gras in New Orleans by hitchhiking. I wish. And he claimed to be surprised that his parents let him do that, and I'm yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but this was also during the 60s and 70s, so I guess themes seemed... Things were just very different, um, you know, and nowadays we instantly think of murder because, you know, how could you not? You know, if I see a hitchhiker on the side of the road, I'm like, hmm, what should I do? But this was also during the time of the Vietnam War. And right out of high school, at 18 years old, he started working. So it wasn't long until he received a letter telling him that he was going to be drafted. He tried to apply as a yeah, so he tried to apply as a conscientious objector because uh, he didn't believe in the Vietnam War. And that just, he still received a letter telling him that he was to be drafted as a 1A active. His parents were absolutely mortified, as as anyone would be. And the mom put a sign outside with a circle and with a one with a circle through it indicating that they were conscientious objectors and that they wanted to be pacifists basically or be seen that way and she claimed that it was a misprint or that they read the name wrong basically and that it shouldn't be 
done, but nonetheless, he was drafted. And he ended up serving for two years at a Shepherd Pratt hospital as a psychiatric aide. And at this Mm -hmm. point, he had no real interest in psychology. He believed that he was just going to work, travel, you know, as you do. But because of this draft, he was, and because of this posting as a military, in the military, he ended up getting a PhD in psychology and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Maryland. Wow. And that set him on this wild adventure of a life. And he's still kicking. It kind of sucks that, like, I'm not saying whether or not I agree with the draft, but him being drafted did get him in that door. Right. That he otherwise would not have gone through. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the way how he lives life and the way how he tells people to live life is that you just need to show up. Like, live your life and show up for it. Because if you don't show up to these opportunities that you don't think mean anything to you, like they're not going to do anything for you. Uh, They're just going to be negative. Then you're not going to fall into these things. You're not going to fall into these chances that you could. If you don't take any. Exactly. So he just says to show up. And I'm like, okay, bet. I'm here. What's next? So after he got his PhD, he was like, I need a change of scenery. So he moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. Hmm. <laughs> of all places. I mean, beautiful. Yeah. Um love Flagstaff. People from Flagstaff if if you end up listening to this, <laughs> no one. But if you do, what's up? I like your place. Hey. So did he. So did he. <laughs> <laughs> Friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, here he really began to make a name for himself and take these chances, and he created a program called Adventure Discovery. I've heard of that. Yeah. So this program would take the mentally ill people in the area on hiking trips and river trips and other awesome adventures like that. And this was due to some new research that was coming out at that time about how nature and physical activity outside could be very therapeutic to people with mental disorders, especially if you have depression or anxiety and panic disorders and different things like that. It's really therapeutic to just go out and go hiking, especially. This was also where he started his filming career. This is where it all began. Okay. The filming started on the San Juan River when they took 10 mentally ill people on a rafting trip and they were doing tests for anxiety and depression and found that the clients not only benefited from the trip, but their depression and anxiety actually dropped and the staff also benefited from the trip. And Venditti caught all of the trip on film and decided to edit it. This passion for editing the film especially was really therapeutic to him. Mm-hmm. And he found that he really wanted to travel, not just Flagstaff, but the world, and study the natural wonders along with the people inside of them. And he had a fascination with the big island of Hawaii because of the mountains. So it's gorgeous. I've been there. I wouldn't know. So he arrived in Hilo along with his girlfriend at the time and ended up spending two years there. They made some money working with the health system in the area for mental health and earned some more money to continue their traveling. Once they earned some cash, they made it all the way to New Zealand. 
that's where someone pointed out to him that he needed to go to Mount Everest if he had such a fascination with mountains. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, but where is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they told him where it was and he said, okay, cool. Bye. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So casual. I know, it's so casual. Um, And he tells this fascinating story about his trip to Mount Everest, and I absolutely love it. So he made it to Mount Everest, but it was during the monsoon season. And that's right. And that's whenever it's all cloudy and wet and gross. But he's like, I made it there. So he didn't want to turn back. Yeah. Because even if it was during monsoon season, he's broke. He he can't go all the way back now that he's all the way there. He got into the small plane that would take him to the vil- to the last village before the trek to make it to the base of the mountain. And okay. on that plane, he made note of a man sitting in front of him pointing things out to the rest of the party. And he noticed that everyone else was paying really close attention to them. Like he was just explaining everything and everyone's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, tell me more, tell me more. And he was like, that's weird, but oh well, I'm not going to pay much mind to it. Then once they finally got off the plane, the man and his daughter walked up to him and asked him where he was going, to which he was pl- he replied, I'm going to Mount Everest, obviously. <laughs> and the man asked him if he could join him. And Venditti was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. In the interview, he said, basically at the time, he didn't know if the man just wanted to practice English or or what but looking at him now the man was probably trying to keep him from getting himself killed <laughs> fair um, so while can i help you can i go <laughs> you, don't... you don't look like you know what you're doing so <laughs> so while they were walking to the mountain he also noticed that people were bowing to him on the trail ex- exclaiming namaste as they passed and was treating him with a lot of respect oh lord secret <laughs> king <laughs> something like that. and it wasn't until he finally heard somebody exclaim that's tenzing norgay <laughs> and he realized that he was walking with one of the two men who first summited mount everest so like <laughs> Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Mount Everest Buzz. <laughs> and he didn't know. And it keeps going. Not only that, oh, but this man was on his way to meet. Well, okay. So this next guy is more like Buzz. Okay. So not only that, right. but this man was on his way to meet Edmund Hillary, who was the other man who summited the mountain. And they had an interview with National Geographic. That was covering their 30th special slash anniversary about the summoning of the mountain. And he's just walking with this guy and his daughter. And then the man asked him to be his guest so that he could just casually meet Hillary while they were being recorded by National Geographic as Norgay's guest. So this man (laughs) is literally just being present (laughs) at all the right places in the documentary uh, he is in the interview 
Like, they're filming him, and he's introduced to Hillary while being re- recorded by National Geographic. This is just what happens when you let things happen. Right? You know, we should all just be Walter Mitty and just leave. Just drop everything like it's hot. So that happened. And then he goes every year now. He just, you know, has a... Why not? It's a tradition. So after this adventure, he just moves back to Flagstaff. (laughs) And then he fell in love on his next adventure in Flagstaff. That was his next adventure. So they were working at the same job and they decided that they wanted to get married in Maui. And then they ended up moving there and they have now lived in Maui or on Maui for 26 years. And during these years, he was busy filming any adventure he went on. He helps produce the film, the music, all of it. So even with the music, he has been involved with music since he was in third grade. His instrument of choice, the trumpet. He played all the way until college. (laughs) And this background has landed him big friends in big places in the ways of Muzak. One of these famous people who he knew was someone by the name of Paul Horn. He did not play the French horn, though. (laughs) Or any horn. He played the flute. How dare he, first of all? That's against the law. (laughs) You can't play new age music with a horn. You play it with the flute. One of the oldest, uh, the oldest instrument. Remember? Remember? No? Okay. Well, it is. (laughs) In Germany, remember? Yes. Okay, great. So he is also known as the father of New Age music. He's a very famous flautist, if you don't know him. He's also thank you. Oh, he's also a Grammy award-winning musician, and has released around forty-six albums. He has sadly passed away, but he told Venditti that he was he was welcome and able to use any of his music in his documentaries so they were best friends that's cool um horn also traveled a lot with venditti to uh he no wait he has it just kidding back up he traveled to him with to tibet um but he did a lot of traveling on his own he like he played his flute in um the taj mahal he played it in like really big places. So wow. that's not anything to laugh at. <laughs> like he's actually extremely no. successful. <laughs> um, oops, sorry. So he helped with uh, with all the music on that expedition to Tibet. And um, this all of this content was in the documentary called Journey Inside Tibet. And this was the first documentary to be picked up by PBS. So that's yeah. So that's what got his name, like in the game. That's cool, right? So he also got Chris Christopherson (laughs) to do the narration. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like what the? (laughs) Do you want to know how he did it? I'm gonna tell you. He did it by mailing it to him just casually. (laughs) I'm crying. This man literally is happening <laughs> things. Uh-huh. He's like, everything's worked out before. Why don't I just mail this to the person <laughs> I want to do it? They'll do it. Right? 
he had no idea where he lived or, you know, what would happen. So he knew that he lived on Maui. That's it. And he knew that he looked up to him and his music. (laughs) So he just put the VHS tape in a box with the music and edited film on the tape and the narration script in the box. Then for the address, he just put Chris Karstofferson and Hana Hawaii for the address. Just hoping (laughs) the mail carrier will know. (laughs) Not even a zip code because he had just moved there. And several weeks later, he received a call from LA from the guy's manager telling him that he would do it and that he didn't even have to pay him because he knew that he didn't have any money. I'm mad. I need luck like that in my life. Right? (laughs) Like, okay, that's cool. I'm happy for the man, though. Like, I'm happy for him. Still bitter. Okay, well, something did, you know, happen to him that is bad luck. Oh, well, I don't want to hear that. So when he was 55, you're going to hear it because it's, it's important. He was okay. diagnosed with prostate cancer and <laughs> around 99% of his prostate had cancer. That's sad. I know. Um, and he had radioactive seeds put inside his prostate. And during his treatment, he became extremely depressed because he had to just stay home and let the treatment do its thing and run its course. But obviously this man can't sit still for very long. And he's, he's successful. And, um, he said, I gotta go. (laughs) Like during during this uh, process, Treatment. yeah. So one day he told his wife that he needed to go to Nepal. <laughs> Sorry, honey, have to go to Nepal. And she said, "Okay, and I'll stay here." She went on all of his other excursions, so don't worry. She wasn't just a housewife. Gotcha. Uh, but he needed to go by himself, and she recognized that. And uh, by the way, they have an extremely healthy amazing relationship and they like That's go on and, like I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> like this man is everything i, I want to be his friend um and even though he was extremely weak from the treatment he made it and felt inner peace like he just felt the inner peace of being in the mountains it was the most magical trip he ever went on he's healthy now um And during this trip, he filmed it. And Mm -hmm. he filmed what made Nepal one of the most perfect and peaceful and happiest and healthiest places on the earth. And it's basically because they have a transparent government. They They have kept their culture extremely prominent. Gross national happiness is super important to them. Oh, Um, that's cool. Right? And it's like, there's one more thing. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. But it's just, a, oh, in nature, the keeping up of nature. So they believe that if nature is, like, if trees are cut down, if the water is not clean, if they force their way into nature, then they're not going to be happy. So, yes, they have an income. Oh, and their income is stagnant. Like, well, not stagnant, but stable. There we go. Gotcha. Their income is stable. It isn't necessarily growing, but it isn't 
being depleted at all either. And that keeps them at one of the happiest places in the world. Mm -hmm. And being there gave a true inner peace to him. And he he entitled this as um, When the Mountain Calls. And it's a film of inner and peace and true happiness. And this is the film that won him an Emmy. And uh, it's, I want to see it. I haven't seen it. I need to see it. But it sounds good. Right? It's like so magical. I just, wow. And then is also very aware of the Buddhist teachings about happiness and how to find it through inner peace and positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. And, um, he had the opportunity to film the Dalai Lama. Whoa. <sighs> like, my breath is, like, out of my body. <laughs> like, I have chills. I'm sweating. <laughs> like, um, and he filmed him a few years ago uh, for the film that he is in the process of, like, fully creating. And it's about the Tibetan culture in China and the significance about Mount Kailash. Kailash. And the th- the third thing was happiness. The third thing that I was about. And the Dalai Lama stated that he has because he asked him, like, what is how would you define happiness? How can we the world get happiness? And the Dalai Lama's like, um obviously I don't know how to give the entire world to happiness, but I do know how to achieve it on an individual level. Mm-hmm. and for the possibility for inner happiness. And he said that you have to calm your mind, rid yourself of negative thoughts and emotions, and create, ne- if you have negative emotions, create them into positive outcomes. And he, like, okay, <laughs> bet. <laughs> but those are also the basic teachings of Buddhism and yeah. how to put yourself in your inner state. And um, so now, after all of these, he is a... Retired psychologist. He is focusing his energy in filming and producing documentaries as he continues to advocate for the preservation of the environment and culture, as well as continuing his quest for happiness. I like that story. He's so cool, right? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad you lost your sad story. All right. Because <laughs> I, I really like this one. I think that it was a good find. I appreciate thank, it. Thank you. I did too. I, You know, having... Like, he is somebody to really just look up to. Yeah. He's a good, like, he role is. model. Yeah. I am going to be honest... I haven't reread my notes. I don't know what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> yes. So, I'm like excited. I said, it's been a while since I wrote these notes. So let's hope I know what I'm talking about. Oh, but I'm do worry. I'm gonna hopefully remember. But I'm gonna read this verbatim because I think it's really funny. I drew conspiracy theory. And what I wrote is, I drew conspiracy theory, and boy howdy, this is quite a story. (laughs) But this is Hawaii. You can't say howdy. 
Howdy, Hawaii. <laughs> I don't even know what the story is, but apparently it's quite a story. Boy, howdy. <laughs> Boy, howdy. All right, so let's talk about Hawaii. Most people know that the Hawaiian islands are formed by underwater volcanoes. Didn't you discuss that at one point in one of our episodes? Yeah. Okay, so we know that, guys. <laughs> we know so, about volcanoes. Just, yeah. <laughs> To start our journey today, we're going to start with the crazy volcanic year Hawaii had in 2018. Boy, howdy, you right. Boy, howdy. Um, so we're going to talk about 2018, um, which coincidentally is the year I went to Hawaii. <gasps> Whoa. I went to Hawaii in March of 2018, and my story actually kind of starts right at the like end of april beginning of may so all of this is just you causing you know Th- that's literally a joke in my family so <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know that well okay. it must be true if you watch the news in 2018 you might remember that there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in hawaii at that time in 2018 just to kind of start there is a volcano on Hawaii called uh, Kilauea, mm-hmm. and it is one of several active volcanoes on the island of Hawaii, uh, which is the archipelago's largest island, and it is found in the island's southeast corner, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a shield volcano. Yes. Um, it has been erupting continuously since 1983. The ooze. The ooze. (laughs) (laughs) But by May of 2018, a new eruption sequence had commenced, and it had two main focal points. So there was a flank area known as the Lower East Rift Zone. Could have come up with a better name. I know, it's long. But it's the point where the volcano's surface was gradually splitting apart. And I really hope I pronounce this correctly. Hawaii, like, their language is very fun. (laughs) A lot of vowels. Mm -hmm. But I believe that this crater is called the Halemaumau or Halemaumau crater, uh, which is to the west of Kilauea's, uh, nope, of Kilauea's summit. Okay. So those are the two parts. There's the rift zone and hala mau mau. <laughs> meow meow. Yes. I think that every time I read it. <laughs> April 30th, 2018, in the east rift zone, the Pu'uo'o crater on the Kilauea volcano suddenly collapsed. <laughs> Pu'uo'o. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And because the Pu'uo'o crater collapsed, that's what caused the volcano to erupt for a month. (laughs) Which is, like, I had said it had been continuously erupting, but, like, that's very slowly, you know. This was a big eruption. Yeah, it's an ooze. So, this eruption produced 320,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools worth of lava. I don't want to swim in that, though. (laughs) But on a more serious note, that is a lot of lava, and it did destroy about 700 homes. Mm. 
Christina Neal, the scientist in charge at the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory and the study's lead author, they, they had done a study, um, said that this confluence of big volcanic events that went on for months meant that this eruption was, quote, truly unprecedented in the modern record. Yes, so this was the largest eruption from that specific rift zone in the last 200 years. That's crazy. Yes. Um, May 15th and 17th, there were major summit explosions recorded that um, were the largest since 1924. And they produced plumes 12,000 and 30,000 feet high. This activity was once thought to be driven by groundwater angrily reacting with draining magma, but Ms. Neal said that the new data suggests that escaping magmatic gas is what drove these explosions. Okay. So we've talked about end of April, early May, and then we talked about May 15th and 17th. By the beginning of June, 24 fissures had appeared in the rift zone with rivers of lava flowing some all the way to the ocean as fast as 3,530 cubic feet per second. That's some mm, that's some slippery slop. Yeah, and more than fifty five thousand tons of sulfur dioxide emissions were emerging each day. Oh my gosh, it's not good. No, <laughs> you could imagine just living there, like, mm. that's crazy. Yeah, with the old stagnant magma already erupting, deeper magma had emerged. Uh, and they're fluid, packed with dissolved gases, and it erupted at 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. It led to really high fountains of lava emerging from some fissures, popping out at 262 feet. Like, fountains of lava, 262 feet tall. I could not even imagine. Oh, this is the thing that gets me. On June 2nd, the largest freshwater lake on the island was vaporized in 90 minutes. What happened to the fish? I Listen, literally my mind can't wrap around it because I've never seen lava. But like, you know what I mean? It's hard to picture that. Whoa. It's like hell is just seeping from the ground. <laughs> I know. And I'm sure that's what people thought. And like, if that, if you made that place your home... Yeah. Imagine that just happening one day and going on for a month. Those okay. Wow. We're almost done with this like weird sciencey bit until we I mean, get I'm to the theory. Okay, but listen, it doesn't get it's still scary. So, for sure. Sulfur dioxide emissions regularly mixed with water vapor to produce something called VOG, which is like volcanic smog and the um violent quenching of lava as it is met with the pacific ocean produced something called lays so like a haze it's a mixture of hydrochloric acid glass particles and steam do you remember scooby-doo i i remember scooby-doo whenever they were in Scotland during the like in the movie for 
uh, it was the Loch Ness the monster. Loch Ness monster. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he like cut his. He did this in another TV episode too. Um, it was like for the Lake Man or the. I know what you mean. The submarine Man. Yeah, and he like stuck his claw and like cut the fog into a circle and like bit yeah. it. That's just what I think about. That it's like <laughs> thick. Yeah, like thick enough to cut with a knife. Like pea yeah. soup. <laughs> sure. Okay, so by the time that the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park reopened on September 22nd. So it started April 30th. The park reopened September 22nd. Kilauea's lava covered 13.7 square miles of the island. And... There had been um, 1,640 feet of vertical collapse at the summit. Wow. Yeah. Like, it just went, I mean, scarier than that, but. Yeah. I mean, no, everyone just heard, heard you. <laughs> Hi. Everyone just heard you go, so. Yep. You know. <laughs> but scarier. Just think it's, it's scarier. Yeah, more like the sound of oopy goopy explosions. Is that the science word? On December 6th, when the USGS declared that it was, quote, very unlikely, end quote, uh, that the 2018 eruption at the rift zone would resume. So they said, you know, it's probably not going to happen again, like. I wouldn't want to put my name on that. <laughs> yes, but that was December. <laughs> I literally wrote, where's the conspiracy theory? We just talked about science history things. Okay, I hear your thoughts. <laughs> I don't know why I am this way, but I hear your thoughts, guys. That's terrifying. <laughs> no one I hear your thoughts all the time. Know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I just do stream of consciousness talking. <laughs> All right. I was just thinking of you quoting videos that you have seen in the past. Pretty much. That's just me. So, we're going to make a really big jump now. To And I, I vaguely remember this, so I'm really, ex- like, I got excited whenever I vaguely started remembering what I was covering. Because it, ooh, I was right. Boy, howdy. Yee-ha, let's go, partner. All right, so we're making a big jump. It goes, the the theory that I'm covering goes by three different names. One of them is, and I don't know if it's pronounced Nibiru or Nibiru or where the stress goes on, but it's that. Also called Planet X or Planet Nine. Conspiracy theorists are convinced, the ones that are really, really, really into this theory, are convinced that Nibiru will destroy humanity as we know it. With its ooze. (laughs) Some other theories, because Nibiru is another name for a planet, planet X, planet 9, remember. Some other theories claim that the inhabitants of this planet are who made us who we are today. I will make that make sense. (laughs) I found this theory in an article written by The Sun, which... Yeah, no, it's a paper magazine thing that always kind of has some ridiculous sounding stuff in it. But 
it really just piqued my interest. Let's kind of put our mindset into this theory. Are you ready to let go? Should of I grab my colander? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe so. Okay. Theorists claim that a mysterious planet known as Nibiru or Planet X is due to pass close to Earth and that it will bring all sorts of drama with it. And here's what the theory is about. It's like that cousin that you don't want to claim. Nibiru's <laughs> coming. I don't want him to come. Like, whatever. Girl. There was a linguist named Zechariah Sitchin who wrote a book in 1976 that was titled 12th Planet, and it was a really controversial book. Uh, <gasps> oh, so that's the one ast- astrological sign that nobody wants to claim. It's all because of him. He made it up. <laughs> <laughs> In this book, um, there's claims that there's a planet, Nibiru, which is inhabited by an alien race called the Anunnaki, who he claims are the same people referred to in the Bible as Nephilim. They all just moved to the other planet. That's yes. where they all went. They didn't go to so, heaven. They went there. Isn't it in the Bible, Nephilim was like the children of angels and humans, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's because okay. their hair was showing in church. He was saying, these are those people, but they're on a different planet. He they argued, were giants. Well, giants on another planet. Sorry, I just remembered that. So he argued that ancient texts claimed that these mysterious space travelers had come to Earth looking for gold and other minerals. And he also, (laughs) yes, listen, you have to put yourself in a believing mindset. Can you believe for like five minutes? Sounds like the Polar Express. If you just believe. Okay. He also writes that the Anunnaki were unwilling to do the hard work themselves, so they created a new slave race by blending their DNA with humans. So maybe not quite Nephilim, but somewhere in that area. His work forms the basis of many of the theories about ancient astronauts, and um, those theories normally claim that aliens visited the Earth and changed the path of human history Least of all, by building the pyramids. <laughs> that they interacted in some way and, you know, changed how everything went. Sitchin also claimed that Nibiru has an elongated orbit around the sun that takes 3,600 years, is what he says. How do their days work? And how do their years work? How, how do they survive? <laughs> their year would be 36 hundred years of a year yeah they're so far away don't worry about it they're (laughs) angels in 1995 there was a lady named nancy leader hey that's venditi's wife nancy Nancy. i doubt it was this one yeah (laughs) uh, this one claims that she has an implant in her brain from a childhood encounter with aliens (laughs) Oh, Nancy. <laughs> Don't laugh. Nancy says she has an implant in her brain from when she was a kid and was taken by aliens. And she claims that Nibiru would pass closely to Earth in 2003 with terrifying consequences. So 
Nancy describes herself as a contactee with the ability to receive messages from extraterrestrials from the Zeta Ruticuli star system through an implant in her brain. She states that she was chosen to warn mankind that the object would sweep through the inner solar system in May of 2003, though that date was later postponed, causing Earth to undergo a physical pole shift that would destroy most of humanity. She said that because of this, the Earth would stop spinning for exactly 5.9 terrestrial days before the North and the South Poles would physically move, disrupting the planet's magnetic core and causing the crust to split open across the globe. So what is considered an extraterrestrial day? (laughs) No, no, no. Terrestrial days. Oh, okay. I was like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) They just have an alarm that tells them whenever a new day starts. That was about a day. (laughs) (laughs) I just got my notification from Twitter. That's been a whole extraterrestrial day. day. (laughs) Um, What's kind of sad about this is Nancy was so sure of herself that she urged people to have their pets put to sleep. So that they wouldn't need I remember to this. Yeah. I remember so, this. So that their pets wouldn't need to live through the horrors and the disruption that never happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, That's awful. Yeah. I don't know how I would have handled that. But. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> well, me neither. But the people that did, like, who fully believed her, like, I can't. If anything, I'm going to be that that girl. Like, if this were to happen and it was, like, a dystopian society because the earth is cracked, I would want my noble pupperoo to be by my side so then we could battle the... Right? Yeah. We, we I agree. this new world together. Yes. I need a pal. Granted, if I live through this. <laughs> right. So. Um... Nancy's prediction spread beyond her website and it was embraced by numerous internet doomsday groups. And in the late 2000s, it became closely associated with the 2012 phenomenon. Everyone knows about it. They made a movie about it. There was this guy named David Mead and he is an American Christian conspiracy theorist whom had made predictions about Doomsday, you might not recognize his name, but I think you might recognize some things he might have said. Um, He wrote a book called Planet X, The 2017 Arrival, which insisted that Nibiru would crash into Earth in October. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he moved it forward a few weeks. (laughs) And then his theory was given a boost this year, Because NASA discovered a new planet in the solar system, which they named Planet Nine. This year. Yeah. Mead, however, insists that this planet is Nibiru, or Planet X. In his earlier theories, Mead suggested that the mysterious Planet X could be headed towards Earth to destroy it on September 23rd, 2017. I remember that one, too. But when that date passed with... Nothing happening. Um, Mead insisted that people misunderstood his prophecy. Mm-hmm. That's when he claimed that October 15, that's 
when seven years of nuclear war and nu- neutral natural disasters were going to start, marking the end of the world as we know it. Cue the music. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I meant like the, it's the end of the world as we know it. Anyways. Oh. Uh. Mead's latest claim suggested that on April 23rd, 2018, mind you, that has passed, the sun, moon, and Jupiter will align in the constellation Virgo, sparking the beginning of the biblical rapture. I love that it's Virgo. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And he claims that on this night, the mysterious death planet Nibiru will appear in the sky, triggering the onset of World War III, the rise of the Antichrist, and seven years of tribulation. A triple whammy. It should be noted, Nibiru remains an unproven entity. And NASA says the whole idea of that is just a hoax. And Meade now, circling back to where we started, claims that the eruptions of Mount Kilauea are connected to the arrival of this planet. It's the hot spot. hmm <laughs> He <laughs> argues that this planet's approach weakens the magnetic field of the Earth, and due to planet X's gravitational pull, natural disasters like earthquakes and volcanic eruptions will become more common. And he says, quote... As the Nibiru system approaches, it affects the magnetic field of our sun, which directly impacts the Earth's magnetism. Thus, you have once-in-a-lifetime events such as we are witnessing in Hawaii. End quote. What about all the other things that have happened in the past that were once-in-a-lifetime events? Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope, no, no, no. No, no, no. Or what about climate change? <laughs> That's not real. Um, just kidding. Love that. So based on their modeling, NASA scientists do think that there could be another planet in our solar system, but they don't really know for sure. They nicknamed it Planet Nine. Uh, The planet is estimated to have a mass 10 times greater than that of the Earth. That's a... Ooh, she thick. Ooh, she thick. Um, (laughs) Researchers think that the planet, the furthest in our solar system, could take between 10,000 and 20,000 years to complete one orbit of the sun. Oof. I can't handle that. Anyway. <laughs> naturally, conspiracy theorists jumped on that idea. And they say that this is the planet they've been talking about. But NASA's like, no. But, yeah, they say there maybe there's a planet. But it's not this one that y'all are talking about. The idea that a planet-sized objects will collide with or closely pass by the Earth in the near future is not supported by any scientific evidence and has been rejected by astronomers and planetary scientists as pseudoscience and an internet hoax. Such an object would have destabilized the orbits of the planets to the extent that their effects would be easily observable today. So, like, we would know. And astronomers have hypothesized a lot of planets beyond Neptune, And though none have been, like, disproved, there are some that remain viable candidates, such as Planet Nine, and all the current candidates are in orbits that keep them well beyond Neptune throughout their entire orbit, even when they're closest to the sun. So, according to NASA and according to science, this isn't really something we need to worry about, just to give you some peace of mind. But that is that. that. I know 
and I'll be linking my sources, but on the sun, um, the article that I got this information from part of it, um, they were also talking about Elon Musk and SpaceX and whether or not he committed the perfect murder by sending a body in the car to space. So if you want to read some other weird stuff, that's where you go. But that's all I got. I love that theory for some reason. Like the Elon no Musk dis- one? Yeah, no disrespect no. to him. Obviously, I don't believe it. But I legit like- looked into it because I was like, what is this? <laughs> there was a bunch. Like, they didn't have sensors on it. And normally you would put sensors. And they had... They didn't say they were going to put a mannequin in it, and then they decided to put a mannequin in, like, last minute. Maybe it was a real dead person, and he just launched it into space. <laughs> so, Elon, we're on to you. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going down swinging. Lord. How to make a murder. The next episode. Be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> trillionaire almost probably could see it but that's all i got that was awesome that was so great it's a boy howdy that was a ride for sure never been to a rodeo and i don't need to after that story i lived in texas my entire life and i've never been to a rodeo my painting has but i haven't the first I ever went to i got stung by a yellow jacket if that gives you any information on my life What is our topic next week? Candles. No. I was just about to say that. I'm not even joking. Well, then I it's can't... meant to be. It's meant to be candles. 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 All right. Well, Sarah, why don't you tell these fine <laughs> folks where to find us? Let me see if I can remember. So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, even though nothing really happens there. We need to get on that. Um, at ACEOTA, A-C-E-A-O-T-A. Uh, or you can send us an email and we will respond to that. Send us your stories. Our last episode was a couple of our stories. Go listen to it. Um, and send us your paranormal or whatever stories you want to to our email at aceotapodcast at gmail.com that's a-c-e-a-o-t-a podcast at gmail.com yeah and give us a rating and a review um on itunes that's the best place to do it and leave us a noise in the comments noise positive thoughts and yeah, or that like, gets our name out there. Yeah, just say hi. Yeah, I like attention. That's why we have a podcast for the world to hear our voices and our crazy stories about planets and aliens and Elon and, Musk. And can't right. forget Elon Musk. No, never. <laughs> Until next time. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Games on your phone. You got games on your phone. Yeah. You got games. <laughs> um, they showed an ad for this one called Brain, like Brain Out. And I downloaded it and I played it up to like 150 levels or something. And I get to this level uh-huh. and it goes 
Zozo needs your help. Like Z-O-Z-O. And I immediately deleted it. Demons ain't getting me today. <laughs> That's hilarious. But oh I my gosh. If I get haunted now, it's all your fault. Nah, I deleted the app. <laughs> it That's... shows up on my phone. Right? I would cry. The app's gone. But it's still... <laughs> I would, like, throw my phone into the street. <laughs> yeah. Oh I have insurance on my phone. I'll get a new one. <laughs> Has demon insurance. My friend Brooke has uh, a, like a bushel of sage just chilling on her kitchen counter because she apparently smart. Because <laughs> apparently, some weird things were happening in her apartment, and like in her corner of her room, she saw a black figure while she was sleeping. <laughs> And she was like, I'm buying sage. So she went to this like celestial store or whatever and she bought sage. And I can just see her like walking around to all the corners. And that was before we were friends, like real friends. She just told me straight out that she had to sage her apartment. And I'm like, do you want to be friends? (laughs) She sounds like my kind of crazy. And I feel like I need to be friends with her. Yeah, sure. I'm sure she would love to be friends with you. I'm just going to seal all of your friends. I hope you know that. Scrappy-Doo. You don't speak of him. I hate Scrappy. Everyone does. Puppy. Oh. Power. <laughs>